Hello, and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this episode, you will hear from two of the 2023 15 Under 40 recipients. The 15 Under 40 program selects 15 nominees each year to honor and recognize the accomplishments of outstanding young professionals who make a positive impact in the community and excel in their industry. We look forward to hearing their stories. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Jason Smith, President and CEO of the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Our special guest this segment is another one of our 15 under 40 winners for 2023, Doug Barrett, owner of 400 North Creative. Hey, Doug. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, you've been on a podcast before, so thanks for coming on again. It's a little bit different situation this time. Last time you were on talking about some of the Chambers uh, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion uh, initiatives, but today we're on because of the award that you won uh, earlier this year, and, and uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan for those that maybe have forgotten your story or haven't heard it. Doug Barrett, by way of Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I was a former police officer and then uh, moved up in my career and joined the military. And after my service in 2014, I decided to stay here and uh, I have two kids that I'm a single father to and have my business here. And that's kind of what keeps me here. Well, we're glad you decided to stay. How did you feel when you found out that you were named uh, this one of this year's 15 under 40 winners? It's, it's always an honor um, when you're recognized for uh, community involvement. Um, you can have accolades uh, for other things, but when it's referencing, you know, the work that you do or advocacy work that you do in the community and you're represented uh, by your peers on being voted on for the award, it feels good. And we were literally, literally talking about this earlier in the day, but you have been a tireless advocate for uh, minority-owned businesses and and creating opportunities. And um, I know you were part of the group that started Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills. And then you've uh, then, of course, transitioned into some of the things that we're doing at the chamber. But why is that important to you? I know, I know, obviously know why it's important to you as a business owner, but you spend a lot of your own personal time trying to improve the climate for other potential business owners. Why is that important? I think from a professional standpoint as a photographer, it's important for me to show narratives in a way that people don't necessarily or can't comprehend those narratives. But I do that through storytelling with the camera and it allows you to remove the biases because you're capturing a story or a narrative that the way you see it. So then you take that same work into uh, your community advocacy work you're sharing stories and you're sharing narratives and you're sharing uh, challenges that some people don't experience until they actually can put a face with it. So for me, you know, being a part of the initial group that set up the uh, Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills, it led to having a seat at the table at the chamber to now being the DEI chair where I can take those experiences and, you know, affect change in Manhattan so that we can grow Manhattan in a tangible way. Yeah. So what motivates you to do that? I mean, why... I mean, you talked about this is what you do, but but why is that important to you? It's how I was raised. It's the right thing to do for the right reason. Um, there is no magic behind it. And it's we want to take care of each other and uh, see see people prosper in a good way. And it's just the right thing to do. There's no there's no mathematical equation behind it. And do you see that um, you're making progress in some of the things that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Conversations are happening. Um, people are asking thought provoking questions. Um, and and that that is a, that is a good sign because people are inquisitive in nature and they want to know more. And those that want to know more, you're there to share and grow. And hopefully, you 
you get to where you wanted to be. So why did you decide to stay in Manhattan? It used to take me two and a half hours to commute nine miles each way to work. And I realized there had to be more to life than just traffic. Um, and that was before podcast. So uh, I used to sit in my vehicle and listen to XM radio and I was like, man, Manhattan is not a bad place. You know, you can get anywhere you want in 15 minutes except game days. But uh, it's, it's a good community. Uh, it's small. It's quaint. You get a chance to meet everybody, learn people's stories, narratives, and have no reason to leave. Remind me, 400 North Creative is a Georgia reference, right? Mm -hmm. What What is that again? Yeah. 400 North is one of the main highways in Georgia. Okay. And then the logo of my business is the state. Um, and that was just my way of referencing home and, you know, all things creative. So you said you're a police officer. Any interesting stories from that experience, or was it just is it is a yeah. lot of uh, windshield time and and maybe not quite as exciting as you see on some of the shows? No, I I worked started off uh, regular officer and then went into DUI task force and then went to SWAT school and then they put you through a program to learn narcotics and. Uh, the biggest thing that happened, we had a $44 million drug bust of methamphetamine and $2 million in cash recovered. And that kind of wanted to lead me on to kind of get to that military and go federal, but that never happened. And But yeah, tons of great and stories. You, and you end up being a photographer. Where did you find your passion for photography? My father used to record my sister and I from like three, four years old with his VHS and his 35 millimeter film camera and take pictures of us for holidays. And I just knew my dad had cameras. And then when I got to high school, I was taking photos and dark room and video cameras, eight millimeter video cameras. And it's just always been with me. And I did it on our surveillance team, on our SWAT team. Um, I took the photos and it's just something that's always been with me. And then fast forward, corporate America, I've always had a camera and business travel and just decided to make it my own business and work for myself. I was going to ask, because you're a young fella, do you, do you use dark room at all now or is everything digital? I still use film for mostly my children. But it's the the niche is kind of growing in the industry right now where a lot of people are getting back into film. So it's kind of a, a an, an old trade that's kind of reliving itself again. Yeah, my first career I came up was in the newspaper and we were still using film during that period. And one of my best friends was was the photographer. And I can just I can still even today thinking about it, still smell the chemicals from that whole process. It was <laughs> quite it was quite the ordeal. Why what makes Manhattan a special place to live and work? The people. I know that's probably the cliche thing to say, but that's that's reality. Manhattan is a good place. I like that it's transient, that you, you see people come and go and they prosper in their lives. Um, but then we also have the military, the students, and then the townies, as they say. And it makes up a collective of a group of just good folks to call your neighbors. It's as simple as it gets for me. It feels like that one of the things that COVID highlighted for a lot of our business owners is the positive impact that Fort Riley has on Manhattan. Uh, as someone who came here to go to Fort Riley, and, and obviously you spent a lot of time in Manhattan, talk about being stationed at Fort Riley and what can we do to, number one, engage soldiers better, and then what can we do to keep them here like you? I think we're doing that, even just from the chamber board level, where we're, we, we constantly have that connection with our, with our military affairs liaison, along with uh, leadership constantly being proactive on understanding what each other has needs for to keep that line of communication open. It will help bridge that gap because then they'll know what we are working on in efforts to, to close the gap essentially of where we can grow um, and prosper with military and community. I had an individual tell me one time that soldiers don't come to town and want to look like soldiers. They come to town and want to look like normal everyday 
18 to 22 year olds, which makes people think they're college students. When I got to Fort Riley, I didn't live on base, I live off base um, in Junction City. So I had residence there for six to eight months. And then I realized Manhattan was a college town and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to go live out there because it gave me that feeling of what I was missing from Georgia because Junction City was a lot smaller and it wasn't near as developed as it is now. But for me, it gave me that sense of home and place. And I started to experience, you know, the games and the athletics of K-State, but just military, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly moving and uh, Manhattan gives you that experience of good, good community without having to feel like you're not at home. I remember in command staff meetings, we'd be listening to leadership talk about being engaged in the community. If you're coming from somewhere like myself, the South, where there's outdoor experiences, whether that's hunting, outdoor sports, outdoor recreation, Kansas gives you that on a larger scale. So it's important for you know the younger generation of military and even those uh, well-established to reach out to the communities and learn and grow and see what we have to offer. So what advice would you have for a young professional to either just getting out of school or just getting out of the military and is entering the workforce? Stay connected, ask questions. We're, there's a lot of resources here. Um, even myself, when I got out of the military and was starting to set up my business, I realized there's a lot of people in Manhattan that have done these things before myself. So by asking those questions instead of trying to bump your head and and figure them out yourselves, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And I think Manhattan has all the resources from everyday mom and pop businesses to well-established businesses that have been here 20 plus years to those that are just good philanthropic people in the community um, that do amazing things. You don't ask, you, you won't learn if you don't ask. Um, so it'll help propel you without having to walk down that path of thinking that you're the first one that's done that. So we ask all of our young professionals who come in to give us maybe a podcast or some other news source that they listen to regularly that they would recommend to somebody else? No, mine is uh, Sasha Wolf. She is a uh, curator in the industry, in the fine art space. So she represents artists. Um, so to hear the artists that she represents and hear their stories, their backgrounds, um, to how they started in photography, um, to where they currently are in their profession. I typically only listen to her when I'm over the road because it gives me that something to look forward to. Um, so yeah, that's my go-to podcast. Now you did not get a chance to do rapid fire when you were on the last time, right? Cause we were very specifically talking about a chamber initiative. So this gives us a chance to learn a little more about Doug Barrett. What movie have you seen the most times? Bang Bang Club. It is a movie about a photojournalist who is a freelancer who then ends up working with some some wire service photographers through like the AP, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and then they grow a connection and the Bang Bang Club is essentially three photographers that are making work in a conflict zone. Uh, describe your perfect day. Uh, wake up, drink coffee, check the morning news, uh, check national news, and then grab my camera and go out and make pictures. Um, and then at some point socialize with friends and hang out with my kids. That's a perfect day. I actually probably could have predicted that if you'd asked me to do that. If someone paid you to write a blog or a book about anything, what would it be about? Uh, probably my story, my experience, uh, trials and tribulations, and how you can uh, overcome adversity and challenges and still put your best foot forward and make the best of a situation in life. What was your first job? I worked at a golf course as a cart barn cart cleaner. 
I'd have to wash all the golf carts, take all the beer off and put the cart back on a charger. Who inspires you the most and why? My kids. I brought them into this world and uh, it's my job as a father to set examples for them, to show my daughter what a a man is supposed to do in terms of life and uh, raise her to be a fine young lady. And then my son be an example to him. Went through a lot of challenges with him with mental illness and had to educate myself on those uh, struggles and challenges. So being there as a parent to both of them is my inspiration. Great. Now you've mentioned them multiple times. So kids' names and ages? Dougie is what I call him, but Douglas the third, Douglas Barrett III, and then Remy Loy. Uh, she's four. So 15 and four. Uh, what is your most prized possession? Probably my cameras and then couple magazines that was published in Time Magazine. Uh, yeah. Made the front page twice for the year of 2020. So, And we didn't talk about that. So, so talk a little bit about that real quick. You got pictures published in Time Magazine, as you mentioned. What was the circumstances? And, and if I was interested in seeing that, where could I find that? During 2020, with all of the protests uh, going around in the world, I documented Junction City and uh, it was a peaceful protest. And one of the images I made of a family of four, uh, the children were holding a sign that said, stop the hate. And it ran in a full spread issue of Time Magazine for that year. Um, And then at the end of the year, top photos for Time Magazine, it made the, not the front page, but the first page within the magazine. As an artist, photographer, it's a good honor. um, That's awesome. For- and can you find Community, them online? Kansas. Yeah. Can you find them online if you go and look for them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I encourage people to do that. So what? where is the coolest place you've traveled? For me, that would be the Mexico-United States border documenting immigration in the United States and what that looked like. Being a former police officer, 95% of our demographics was Latino. It was during the time uh, we were... Uh, arresting a large population of immigrants in the United States and Atlanta, Georgia. So being able to take my experience in law enforcement and actually see what the media was putting out on a narrative, I was able to speak to individuals that lived on one side of the border and then could see them talking on the phone to their kids on the other side. So putting a camera to a story and seeing it real world uh, put perspective into what is really happening. What is one thing that instantly makes your day better? Taking pictures. Aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? Taking pictures. Uh, see, I'm, I think this, <laughs> I could have predicted simple. some of these. Do you, and this this one, I would assume I can know the answer to this too. Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? Remotely. Obviously, you, you're doing your pictures and all that at your space, but your your job is really to be out documenting things anyways, right? Yeah. So, but I, so I, your I office is actually in the world. Yeah. And prior to that, was working full-time as a senior project manager for a cybersecurity company, and I was remote for five, six years. So it was the way of the world before everybody went officially remote. So uh, it was a normal practice for me. All right. Well, Doug, thank you again for being on with us for the second time. And congratulations again for being one of our 15 under 40. Thank you. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Our guest for this segment is another one of our 15 under 40 winners. And uh, I'm excited to have him on because he actually 
was one of the individuals that when I got to Manhattan that came into my office and said, hey, we need to do more young professional stuff. And so we may talk about that a little bit uh, as part of this, but our guest is Blade Magus. Hey, Blade, how are you? Jason, thanks for having me today. I'm good. How about yeah. you? So you've, you've, you're with multiple things. So tell me, you're Blade Magus from- I wear several hats, yeah. uh, jack of all, kind of master of none. Um, day job, I run a marketing agency in town called Middle. Uh, we do a lot of work in food and agriculture. Um, kind of our our bread and butter is helping amplify the hidden and unexpected voices of rural America. So uh, that pays my bills. Um, but nights, weekends, and frankly, about 40 hours of the week these days, uh, I'm spending a lot of time leading the renovation of the Wareham Opera House uh, into kind of a new nonprofit uh, performing arts center downtown. Yeah. So we may talk about that in a sure. minute, but thanks. Thanks for clarifying that for us. So we always try to ask our guests because it's I think, important for people who don't know you to understand kind of your perspective. But tell us about a little bit about yourself how you and how you ended up here in Manhattan. I was born in Colorado. My father was an airline pilot, is an airline pilot. And as a kid, that, that moved us around a little bit. But spent several years in Guam, uh, of all places, through, uh, through that. And then uh, mom and dad had different uh, different ideas about life. And so I ended up moving back to Dodge City, uh, where my mother was from. And so I would do uh, summers in Guam and, and school year in Dodge, which was an interesting way to grow up as a kid, um, you know, going from like a beach to a pasture and back to a beach. So uh, high school ended up in Concordia, Kansas, and then uh, came to Manhattan as a sort of a backup plan. I actually had intended to attend uh, Columbia at Chicago for film. And the reality uh, back then of, of spending just as much as it costs to be a director as it does to to be a doctor, um, you better be a, you know, the next, you know, Steven Spielberg if you want to make that student loan payoff. So I came to Manhattan as a, as a backup plan. K-State was practical. It was affordable. It was in my backyard. And uh, Ended up sticking around ever since. I started uh, business um, at the time was called 502, uh, 502 Productions, and then became 502 Media, and then became now today Middle. Um, it was an accident when I was going to college, and then one job kind of led to the next. And it was really interesting because you know um, I, I really didn't care much for Manhattan when I first moved here. It wasn't like I had anything against it, but I just had big visions of being other places. And the more I got ingrained in the community, the more time I spent here, the more Manhattan kind of felt like home. So as I mentioned earlier, you were one of our inaugural 15 under 40 winners. So we recognized 15 young professionals who were um, doing great things in their community. How did you feel uh, when you found out that you were going to be part of that inaugural class? It's an honor, obviously. I think uh, that's probably what everybody says. Um, you know, I, I think it was uh, that this town is full of a lot of inspiring and inspired uh, young people. I think we have a, a pretty robust scene when it comes to young professionals. There's a lot of people doing some really great things in this community. So just to be recognized in that group uh, was was very special. That was a pretty impressive group of people that was on the stage. It was. It was. So let's talk about young professionals for a minute. So I kind of jokingly said, you know, you came in and said we need to do more stuff, but um, but you did have a group of people who, and and Wayne Sloan was the chairman of the chamber at the time, and said that was going to be one of his priorities for the year, and and you agreed to chair a committee of the chamber to start looking at this. So talk about how that developed, and then maybe what came out of that. Yeah, so uh, Wayne roped me into a, a breakfast one day um, as under his his uh, term as the chair, and he kind of started. I don't I don't know what 
sparked his fire. I'm not sure uh, what what really got him going, but he he kind of came to me asking if I could help, you know, sort of reimagine the the YP program at the chamber and and uh, I think I probably got the ask because I was maybe the token young person on the chamber board at the time. Um, not token, but you know, I was the I was a uh, you were a young I was a young professional on, on the, the chamber. There we go. That's it. Um, I feel that the chamber service has already aged me such. I don't feel young anymore. But Wayne had come to me and and he wasn't real specific, but but he just kind of said, can we reimagine that? So we we kind of got a group together and talked about what was going well, what wasn't. And, you know, there were some events that were just hits and, and those we knew we needed to keep. But it seemed like the overall kind of governance of the program needed uh, kind of uh, – a participatory approach. How do we get more people involved to take ownership? You know, there were some people involved early on that really kept YP alive. Dina being one of those, Tara, uh, Tara Grubb being one of those. Um, you know, there were some anchors that, if not for their dedication to the program, it probably wouldn't have existed at all. And so, my thought and and the group we pulled together was, how can we sort of try to spread that out a bit and and get more hands involved uh, in shaping the vision of what we wanted it to be. But then more, uh, how do we make it? Because I think you see this with a lot with the millennial audience and and even especially so with Gen Z, you see these, uh, you see people want causes. They they want they want outcomes of, of the work that they, you know, invest in things. They want to see affecting positive change. And so the thought with what became hype YP as it rebranded was how do we make sure that what we're doing is also kind of pushing a larger mission. It's not just getting together for, you know, cocktails or bowling or trivia or what have you, but it's also, you know, it's contributing to quality of life for young professionals in Manhattan. And it's helping Manhattan advance a, a, a stronger message about what we do have to offer you post K state or post time uh, at Fort Riley. So um, we really wanted to focus on making sure we were a, a an effective advocate for kind of some macro challenges that that the chamber was trying to tackle at the same time. Yeah. And so the most visible thing was the name change because it was, I think, Manhattan Young Professionals. Yep. Then you changed, this group changed it to HYPE. HYPE stands for Helping Young Professionals Emerge. I, think, I said, let's always get it wrong. Emerge. Is it Emerge or Engage and I always get it wrong? We, so. we can we can change it out. No, uh, no, it was, I, it was I, emer- no I, I <laughs> candidly, I, I, I get them backwards too. No, I, I to be honest, I, I can't fully remember how we came to that name. I, I think uh, we were we were sitting brainstorming, and there were some terrible names thrown out there, and there were some goofy ones, and there was let's just keep it YP, and but yeah, somehow we landed on let's come up with something kind of fun, and then see if we can't you know backronym our way into yeah. it, spelling something. So. Yeah. And that makes sense. So we had a great launch. Uh, it was at our annual meeting, February 2020. And I literally was had people texting me during our annual meeting about this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. You, We had like a, a what do you, flash, like a flash mob. mob. Yeah. We had a flash mob of young professionals walk into the room and it was great. And of course, that was February 2020. And then in March 2020. The world kind of shut down. Yeah. It, you talk about, again, terrible. I mean, I, I don't want to somehow compare this to some of the tragedies that happened because of the pandemic, but you want to talk about taking the wind out of the sail of something that had a lot of momentum. Oh, it absolutely did. Yeah. Um, But, but so obviously you were disappointed by that, but still a great launch. No. And, and to that very point, um, I, I really have to probably step up and, and thank the people who kept it going. Cause admittedly when COVID happened, I had to jump back into my role as business owner, person responsible for employees and everything else. And I, I stepped back quite a lot from, from hype and my involvement there, um, as my, you know, priorities sort of changed overnight and that team and, and kind of the, the, um, 
the 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 structure we had put together really kind of kept it going through some really challenging times to try to start a new organization that is based on the idea of bringing people together to hang out. Um, so I, kudos to that group and and the leadership there today uh, with with Stephanie kind of really uh, taking the reins and running with it to the next level. It's been awesome to see. So I think what we set out to do, which was to create something that can scale and and can be a baton that gets passed off. I think we were successful in that. 100% agree. And of course, 2022, we started selling memberships officially for the first time and and had a goal to hit 200 members and ended up over 250. So a lot, a lot of momentum in that space. And we, of course, appreciate your leadership as we get that started. And you're still on the board. So I, are you, uh, you're, I don't think you're the youngest on the board. Are you? No, I don't you're, think so. You're, not, you're yeah. not the young professional on the board, but you, we still appreciate the fact that you're, that you're there. So thank you for doing that. You talked a little bit about this, but you graduated from K-State started your business, but what are, I mean, you could, you can do a marketing firm anywhere and you, most of your customers are national anyway. So why have you chosen to stay in Manhattan? Record setting point. I, I just, in case anybody that's, you know, dotting T's and crossing I's is listening. I ended up not finishing at K-State. Um, always told myself I'll go back when well, I- Well, you finished. <laughs> you finished. I finished. <laughs> you just finished on your terms, not yeah, on there you their go. terms. There you go. Yeah. Uh, why stay? Um, it is interesting. Our, our uh, I mean, I've had to kind of evaluate this question a lot lately because five, six years ago, our, our agency started doing a lot of work kind of anywhere and everywhere. And it made us, you know, even answer questions of, do we need to hire people here? Can we hire them where they're at? Because we're we're working with clients on the East Coast and in Texas and you name it. So um, for me, what keeps me in Manhattan, it's probably what everybody says to some way, shape or form, but there's this idea of like a big small town or a small big city, however you want to call it. You could go live in Kansas City. You could live in New York. It wouldn't really matter. Your same 15 by 15 block grid is where you live. And it's the same 50,000 people, regardless of what community that is. And this just happens to be a really great one because it's got everything that you need. Um, and at the same time, I, 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 frankly, I kind of enjoy Manhattan as a home base because everything is new. When you go to the mountains, hey, there's mountains. And then you get to come back home and like, it's like smelling coffee after you try perfume, right? Or cologne. It's like, oh, you know, it's a nice even reset and it's a nice quiet um, but exciting place to kind of get those resets. So you can you can travel, you can go experience other communities and and uh, but when you come back home, it always something about Manhattan just feels home. So I've lived here longer than anywhere else now. Um planning on staying for a while, but I think it's that that big small thing that is this inexplicable idea until you've lived in it for a while and you just kind of get it. So normally we ask this next question and we ask people to give us their opinion, but one of the things that you also do for the chamber, and this one we actually pay you for, all the hype stuff you you did for free and we appreciate that too, but uh, is you helped us rebrand our talent strategy. And, and um, we have, there's a lot of activities that are part of it, but generally we, it all falls under uh, the brand made for Manhattan, which you you all came up with, and so you did a lot of research into this, and so I'm just curious in your research and as you put this together, uh, what do you think makes Manhattan a special place to live and work? That work, uh, also, I think that was 2019. We started that project, uh, kind of right right about as we were headed into uh, COVID. But a big part of that, we talked to a lot of. Um, employment, you know, kind of recruiting HR professionals. We wanted to get their opinions of, you know, what are the challenges you have to overcome? Um, what messages do you wish people could understand better? And and really that was it. It was that idea that relatively, I mean, for example, we're about to, what well, shouldn't say that now, but we're, we're considering hiring an employee who's moving here from DC, right? And she kind of started like throwing out home prices. 
she's asking, you know, is this a reasonable budget? And and her reasonable budget was twice that of of a place here. So yes, Manhattan certainly has, you know, affordable, you know, and suitable housing challenges, but relatively speaking, we have a fairly low cost of living. Um, we have access to a ton of amenities that that being a predominantly service-based economy to support, you know, some major employers, the fort and the university, we have these things that other communities like us almost just shouldn't have, right? We get these little special pieces of the community. And so, so it was really that. It was in working with some of these recruiters, it was how can we better tell that story without trying to send them another brochure that says we're great because everybody's community is sending that. And so Made for Manhattan was more about this idea of we can tell you everything there is to know about Manhattan, um, but you sort of just know it. You sort of you sort of just know I was made for this community, and and it is one of those things that, admittedly, you know, uh, you kind of have to experience it. So um, we wanted to try to capture that idea and uh, convey it in in whatever ways we thought possible, but then ultimately try to convince people to be here, try it, and then you'll kind of find that you were made for Manhattan. There's a lot of stories like mine. There's a lot of stories people that you know, our, our boomerangs, they left, but they came back. Um, we were really trying to capture what is that idea that, that keeps people back. And, it, and it's that sense of, yeah, Manhattan's this place that I was just kind of made for. I'm one of those people. I would not have moved to Manhattan had I not physically visited because that's part of that whole process because, and, and I've used this phrase before, we're so much better than Google says we are. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. because you just can't find information online that matches the experience. And so, um, I think the Made for Manhattan has done a much better job capturing that than we did before. And our previous brand was, I think, Return to the Flint Hills. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, the Flint Hills are beautiful and we we all love them. But number one, it's not specific to Manhattan. Number two, selling the landscape as the place to live doesn't feel the same as selling the character and, and the actual community. And, and you, I think, very smartly are using people in Manhattan to sell it, not, we're not writing, here's what, you, here's what you should know about Manhattan. We are having people send a picture and tell their story on the back about why they love Manhattan. Yeah. And so it's, it's almost peer to peer. Well, and I think that was a good, um, you know, Jason, to your credit and the, and the chamber's credit in, in reevaluating what, what we wanted return to the Flint Hills to become, it was, you know, what are the, what are, what are the statistical odds that somebody's going to open a magazine, see a full page ad and pack up and move to Manhattan? It, you know, it's not very great. And it's an expensive ad. It's great for the brand. It's great for getting the message out. But meanwhile, we have recruiters and, and employers on the phone with people, you know, every day, let's just leverage that as our medium. So the, the brief really became what, what tools can we equip those people with to have them, uh, have success. And, I, and we've gotten great feedback on that. So appreciate your work on that. What advice do you have for young professionals who are just getting out of school and entering the workforce? Uh, yeah. Whether, whether by their choice or, or you know, again, <laughs> whether they're leaving school by on their terms or on the terms of the university. Fair enough. I It took me a lot of years to realize this. Um, and it's such old and, and feels like worn out advice, but this, you know, you're your network is your net worth or, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I mean, um, I didn't understand when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, kind of coming in and, and going out of school, like 
the concept of networking, what that actually means and what that actually looks like. Um, but, but truly building relationships in, a, in whatever community you end up in. Um, and, and I would argue that community doesn't even mean a physical place, right? Whatever communities you serve, whatever communities you feel represented in or want to have representation in, um, to, to find yourself in those circles and, and building meaningful relationships that is truthfully far more valuable than you'll ever be able to know. And you can't go cash it in tomorrow, but five years later, you're going to say, oh man, it's great that I know this person because X, um, that, that at least has been the case for me, especially as an out of towner, you know, I, I didn't grow up in Manhattan. There's a lot of people that, you know, in some ways Manhattan is a very small community. And so the ones that did grow up here, I mean, they know everybody who knows everybody who knows everybody. And, and that can certainly, um, serve people well, but Manhattan is a, a, a community that, it is, uh, you, you can get to know people. You can work your way into, into different groups that you didn't know existed. You can make connections you might not have otherwise had. So, um, get out there and get to know people and, and the community you want to serve. So last question in the first part of your, uh, interview, uh, I'm going to give you a chance cause you, you referenced it earlier, but talk a little bit about your Wareham project and, and where, uh, if I'm interested in what's going on, where I can find out more and get and if I can get involved, this is a this is a terrible ad for a marketing agency in town. Um, <laughs> we are we're in the early uh, fundraising phases of a of a somewhere between seventeen and nineteen million dollar project. I, I say that it's a, a rough ad for uh, our agency because we're doing a lot of the promotional work pro bono, and we have not had the free moment to to get a working website put together, but you can go to wherehamhall.org where you can sign up for, uh, to get email updates. We'll have that site here online in the next 30 days or so kind of cast a little bit more about the vision. Uh, right now we're actually exploring setting up kind of an exhibit at the Manhattan Arts Center, um, as a way to, uh, kind of show people not just what we plan to do, but, uh, to tell the broader story of the history. But, um, yeah, the vision for that long term is, about a 25,000 square foot facility that will be able to handle everything from, you know, a hip hop concert to a string quartet. And, uh, it will show movies once again, not to compete with AMC, but like I want a dumb and dumber quote along night or a back to the future trilogy weekend, or, you know, making movies an event. Um, it'll also be a great place to watch a K-State basketball tournament run. It will be a place available for rentals for fundraisers or weddings or parties. Um, and it'll also be a place that helps, uh, you know, uh, we need more access to stages in this community. There just simply aren't enough. If you talk to talk to performers of any caliber and any kind, um, we want to be able to make sure we have a, a place for the community to perform. So that's kind of, yeah, the uh, website's the best place to go to at least get started with staying in touch. And, and uh, we'll send you an update once we have an actual website that tells you all about it. Well, and we'll be excited to get those updates and, and hear about it. I always when we talk about um, kind of the opportunities and the challenges that the current Wareham facility has, I always like, I don't like to point to, but I'll, I will always point to tying back to something earlier when we were doing a made for Manhattan launch in front of about 30 HR professionals in the community. And we projected there and we couldn't get the projector to work. Dean has to sprint across the street to, yeah, to yeah. save the show. Yeah. Because they, they've just not had to, date their projector a long time. So, so we do need something like that. I well, think, and the in this thing that other most, than just the Hilton garden, Inn. most people don't understand about that building is that there has been a structure. It's not that exact building, but there's been a structure at that exact address for 143 years. And the purpose of that structure was to bring the community together 
for arts and entertainment. And so the fact that it is going to stay that for the next 150 years, I think it's something that, you know, the community all loves the neon sign. They love what it represents. Like a proper renovation is going to give us the chance to actually honor what it represents and, and make it a place for the next hundred years to come. And you found some interesting things downstairs, right? We found all kinds of goodies. Uh, yeah. More on that later though. Okay. All right. So that's the end of the first part. And then we, we now go to the infamous rapid fire section of the program and uh, where we at try to, we pull 10 questions that we're going to ask you to learn a little more about uh, Blade and hear what you have to say here. So you think you're ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So do you have any hidden talents? Uh, I can fly airplanes. I can sail. So like real boats, airplanes? Real airplanes. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I once upon a time was uh, pursuing aviation as a career and uh, I, I don't think I can fly legally according to the FAA because I'm not current at the moment, but uh, but yeah. What's the biggest plane you flown? Uh, well, technically, and I think it can be logged, a full motion 787 simulator. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, Simulator. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, the biggest plane I've flown would have been a. It would have been a uh, ride and right seat with uh, Greg Burgess flying the Manco uh, oh, okay. company around somewhere. So a cit uh, Citation CJ two. Yeah, that a nice cool. plane. So, all right. What movie have you seen the most times? I mentioned. Uh, I mentioned this in our hypothetical Wareham movies, but that original Back to the F Back to the Future. I've probably seen it a hundred times. It was my dad and I's go to uh, for whatever reason. That was. What's well, a good movie? The um, I, when I lived in Abilene, Texas, they had re completely renovated their downtown theater, and they probably had ten to twelve movie different movie nights a year, and it was always well attended. So I'll be looking forward to that. What job did you want as a kid? Astronaut. Okay, so that's what led maybe to the pilot yeah, part of that. I was also similar with movies I've seen way too many times. Apollo thirteen was up there a lot. What was your first job? I was a dishwasher at an all you can eat barbecue restaurant. Oh, you can eat barbecue. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Concordia, Kansas, Uncle Gibbs Bar. Is that still open? It burnt down. Oh, so there's no more all you can eat barbecue. Was it good? All it you, was, was fine. It as, a, as a staff, as a staff member, you got free dinner when you got there. And so yeah. like, you know, pretty average brisket. When it comes to all you can eat in Concordia, it, it was yeah, good. It was, it was, you know, it was fine. Yeah, I got you. Uh, what is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? I, I, I lead a lot of team projects. And so when you see a member of a team like capture convey, own, run with like the vision of something and then make it their own. We can be in the middle of a, a trying portion of a project. And then when someone brings like a better or new idea, that, that kind of snaps me out of, uh, yeah, it just makes any day better for me. Aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? That would be coffee. What did you do as a teenager that makes you cringe now? You know, I was, I was height of the emo phase, uh, graduating high school in 2007. So I was a size 10 girl jeans, uh, rocked it. I had, you know, the long bangs in the front, all of it. Yeah. Are there pictures of that? Oh yeah. There, well, okay. I, I was in a band. I had to, oh, I had okay. to, you know, had to rock the look. So. I gotcha. Do you prefer, uh, working remotely or in the office? I do prefer in office. Uh, it doesn't have to, well, 50, 50, I guess. Um, I, I tend to get more done when I go somewhere that somewhere doesn't necessarily have to be the office anymore, but I, I struggle to get stuff done at home. So what was your, again, these are two answers, could be the same, but two answers. First and favorite concert. Uh, first concert was uh, <laughs> Blink-182 and Green Day. 
Uh, and Jimmy World opened for them. It's quite the lineup. It was. I actually won tickets in middle school from like one of our teachers. She was she was dating a, a radio jock at the time and uh, got free tickets and and. One of my friends won the tickets, but his parents wouldn't let him go. Yeah. So mine would. So where was the where was it? Uh Bonner Springs Amphitheater. Oh, okay. I yeah. gotcha. Um, Kansas City. A favorite concert. I uh, shoot. I don't know, man. For me, mu- music's like a, a spiritual thing for me. So there's favorite means a lot of different things. But just a really random concert that I strolled into. Um, artist's name is Lissy. L-I-S-S-I-E. I believe she is from or lives in Iowa. Caught her at a show in Portland, Oregon. Um you would have walked in and you would have swore it was Stevie Nicks. Like her voice is just identical. It's crazy. Um, just ended up being a really great show. I think I think it's shows like that where you go in with no expectations and you just get blown away. Those are some of my favorite shows. All right. Last question. What advice would you give 19-year-old Blade Magus? Try to be more organized, <laughs> uh, especially especially 19 through, you know, 24-year-old uh, me. Um but uh, but it, it goes back to that earlier point, um, bigger than that of, of that idea of networking. I was initially I, I was I approached that with the wrong mentality growing up. Um, you know, you hear about you got to network, you got to meet people, all that, and and everything just feels like some sales pitch, right? And you feel like you, know, you got to go out there and tell people what you do, and and that's not it at all. Um, I'm all about you know finding ways that uh, I can try to help somebody else do something. And uh, so once you kind of figure out what your flavor of networking is, I, I wish I would have started that 10 years earlier. You know, I wish I would have started getting involved earlier. So uh, I would have told the 19 year old me that networking is not sales. It doesn't have to feel like a sale. It is going out and figuring out what can you give to the world or to a, a group of the world or a community within the world and and uh, and what can you get from them? All right. That's great advice. Well, Blade, thanks for being on the show. This is your first time on. And yeah. so I appreciate you. Long time listener. Being, first yeah, time caller. Being, being on the Think MHK podcast. Um, and congratulations again for being one of the inaugural 15 under 40. And thank you for all your hard work for the thank chamber you guys. over the last few months. Yeah, no, the, the chamber is uh, doing a lot of really exciting things these last couple of years. I really feel a... Uh, a lot of positive energy, just seeing that both from the inside as well as the outside. So it's been it's been fun and uh, a, a privilege to be along for the ride. Great, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.